This week on the Cynical Optimists, Black Widow is back, BB-8 is in Battlefront, and we babble about Bond for our discussion. Hello and welcome to the Cynical Optimist Podcast, for your ears only. I am Phil. That's a good one. And I am Nick. And this is a podcast where we sneak into the high security databases to bring you the TV, film and gaming news of the week, and then after that we begin the epic car chase that is discussing a recent release or popular topic in the industry. So, how are you Nick? I'm good. I'm going to just add to the viewers that you, you, you did that very smooth intro but it didn't go smoothly the first time I'm assuming you've edited out the bit where you say databated but just want everyone <laughs> to know that Phil said databated uh, well to be honest if there is any usually bloopers or something that we say in between like the segments I'll just put it at the end of the episode like after oh, the okay. outro yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> listen, listen on at the end for that absolute whopper unless I didn't edit it out in which case this is all just Confusing, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, very, very well. It's a busy old, busy old week. Um, lots of news. Good. <laughs> it's what we ha- what we like to hear around here. Exactly. Should we dig in? Yeah, let's uh, get to it. And then in the second half, we're going to be looking at all the Daniel Craig Bond films. So stick around. It should be a good episode. Uh, Phil, you you've heard of Star Wars, haven't you? Uh, once or twice. Yeah, um, we're getting another Disney Plus show, except this one's a little bit different because this is Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge, which is a new game show um, coming to Disney Plus uh, at some point next year. Have you heard anything about this? I haven't, but it makes me upset that I'm an adult. Therefore, I can't <laughs> be a contestant, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think it is predominantly made for kids. But um, something that's of interest in this is the return of Ahmed Best to uh, a Star Wars um, property, best known for playing oh. the universally loved Jar Jar Binks. And he's going to be, I think he's going to be like the host of this sh- uh, show uh, alongside a quirky robot companion, because that's, that's the thing people do now. Okay. <laughs> um, sounds, and it's... sounds like something you'd get in in a TV show that's about somebody on a game show. Like whenever <laughs> you say like quirky robot companion. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad Ahmed Best is back because obviously. Me too. Yeah. Given his experiences over the years, I would not, you know, if he was just wanted to write off the entire thing completely, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. No. Exactly. I think this is quite a nice bit of um, sort of payback. Not. I mean, good payback for him, just because, um, yeah, Star Wars kind of ruined his career. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, so this is nice that they've retro- retrospectively given him uh, a new job, which sounds like good fun, to be fair. Um, and the expansion of Star Wars as a genre, why not? It's bound to happen eventually, wasn't it, a Star Wars game show? Did you ever see, what was it, like, Temple Run or Monkey Run that was on... I think CITV or whatever. I did, yes, um, yes, where they where children kept getting clubbed to death by giant <laughs> apes or something. <laughs> well, there was uh, the, it always ended with like that monkey face, and they'd crawl inside, and they had like the time right. limit to do the puzzles, and then they get trapped in there forever. Uh, I'm imagining something like that, but Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, that was a terrifying show if you ever watched that. Um, <laughs> I genuinely, as a kid, used to think that they were trapped in there forever, and I was like, God, this show just murders a lot of children. And the adults aren't doing anything about it. Yeah, I know, yeah. Same with Raven. That used to be, that used to be pretty yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, they used stuff. to, what, like, disappear into, like, gold or something like that. With a yeah, laugh. yeah. Hunted down by, like, hooded death people. It was really yeah. scary. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think this will be a little bit um, lighter than that, to be fair. But it's it's confusing as to whether they're sort of making this a more narrative-based thing, or whether it's just like a a, a non 
canonical game show because obviously there is there's a motion captured robot companion uh, played by Mary Holland who's been in shows such as Veep uh, and it also sort of takes place ac- across a, a number of different Star Wars locations so interesting to actually see how this format translates so just to be sure were you asking whether a game show would be in the Star Wars canon I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they've kind of. I, I'm assuming no. No, probably not. But there is elements that they've kind of. There seems to be some kind of narrative to it. You are a youngling, uh, and they've just done Order sixty six. <laughs> if you lose the game show, Hayden Christensen comes out with his lightsaber and just <laughs> does it. <laughs> uh, if it was on CITV or CBBC, that would definitely be the way it would go down <laughs> Master Skywalker I lost the game show what are we going to do <laughs> oh bless um, ok yeah there hasn't been a lot of TV news this week so <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> I was just reporting on TV news though cutting in just sorry just cutting you off yep. in your segment I'm sorry but I only realised the other day that the what the CW Arrowverse has been very slowly building to doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, okay, yeah, we did get the trailer to this this week as well. Um, it didn't make it into my news because I've never really been that interested in the Arrowverse. I hate to say. <laughs> um, the thing is, it's it seems like they're trying to do an Avengers Endgame style event on a mm. TV show budget, which good on them, really, but it's gonna be really strange hmm like I watched one or two of the bits and like it's about some universal being and that's destroying all universes and there's not just one superman there's like two different supermen that appear in it yeah they brought back um, Brandon Ruth from Superman Returns didn't they and And also uh, Kevin Conroy is playing a live action Batman okay yeah I watched the trailer. He's not. It doesn't look like he's playing a live-action Batman, does it? It looks like he's playing a live-action old, broken Bruce Wayne. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why um, it's why it's why it's um what Kate Kane or whatever, who's Batwoman instead. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's not quite the the, the Justice League that we're all waiting for, um, because of course that's the Snyder Cut, which is going to be released imminently, um, and you'll have to wear a T-shirt saying "I love Justice League 2017." So. It's not going to get released imminently. <laughs> Given they're not going to just like suddenly drop it like a like a fire lit tune on a new CD. I was going to say that they, Zack Snyder did uh, tweet or put on his social media a photo of the of the Snyder cut locked in a vault. So there is some form that exists. Yeah, but people who work in the industry say that's probably just an assembly cut. I.e., doesn't have any of the effects. Doesn't have any of this. It's just all the footage he filmed. Yeah, possibly. But, I don't know. I think we've got a Wonder Woman trailer coming out um, this week. I don't know when exactly that releases. I think they said Wednesday, so that'll be on next week's news. But either way, I feel like it's I feel like it's imminent, Phil. I think I think it's going to happen. Do you know what the, the tragic way that this... I hope this actually does go is... Go on. I hope it gets released on the 1st of January 2021. Won't happen. Because then I win still. <laughs> And you still have to make a review against this newly released version about how Joss Whedon's version was better. Yeah, but that's how it's going to go down. It's not going to go down like that. You're going to have to wear a T-shirt that says, "Oh, for some clarification as well." I think on the front it says, "I love Justice League 2017." On the back it says, "Hashtag release the Snyder Cut." By that and point, the Snyder Cut is re- already released. Also, you have to order it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just you being cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so the only other bit of TV news I have from this week is a small teaser trailer for The Boys Season 2. Did you see Season 1? No, not yet. It's really good. Um, Amazon Prime um, TV show um, based on the graphic novel. I loved the first season. I thought it was well acted. The The special effects looked better than they did in... Some of Man of Steel, etc., because there's a, a similar character in that. Yeah, really good show. And the season two trailer's just been released. Doesn't give a lot away, it's just mostly character shots. Um, and there's no dialogue, but it looks beautiful. It's a really 
great looking show um, so I'm really excited for that it should be really good and I'd recommend season 1 if you haven't watched it already that's pretty much it for TV news uh, film news we've actually had quite a few trailers um, I presume mm. everyone saw the Black Widow trailer I did yeah what did you think interesting enough it's like I'm not I mean I think we're planning to cover it for this show otherwise I probably wouldn't have even probably wouldn't bother going and seeing it because I don't care that much but you know mm. it's still a Marvel film so it's still probably going to be alright yeah I, th- I think it looks pretty good I think like um, the bits which overdue. are yeah and I think the bits which are sort of um, spy movie kind of winter soldier-esque um, realistic combat I think looks pretty fantastic but I'm not so keen on the jumping out of the aeroplane bits which look a bit naff <laughs> I, I was literally just thinking of that bit of the trailer yeah, yeah, it's not it great. Looks, <laughs> looks a bit silly, doesn't it? It does, considering it's supposed to be this sort of like communisty, cold war-y, like realistic spy thriller, and then it's just suddenly it swaps from handheld cameras, etc., to like big wide shots of planes exploding and people jumping out and stuff. It's a it's a little bit of an odd mix, but nonetheless, I think this will be a good movie. I'm interested. Hmm. I am, yeah. There's a little bit of a... Well, it lacks stakes, because obviously we already know the end of the story, but... Yes. But then it's also a Marvel film, so... Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Um, <laughs> the other trailer we got is Mulan. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, I thought it looked yeah. excellent. It looked a lot better than the vast majority of trailers for Disney remakes, but that's also not hard. Yes, it was not hard. Um, I think this is quite a cool departure from the source material, unlike what we've had this year. Sort of very similar shot-for-shot mm. shot remakes, like The Lion King and Aladdin to a certain extent as well. This actually looks pretty original. Um, no songs, no cartoon dragon. It's all a sort of uh, gritty tale, and I think it looks um, really good. It looks imaginative, which is... Something I'd never thought I'd say about a Disney remake of a film that came out 20 years ago. Yes, I'm... Uh, what is it? I'm sceptical but optimistic. Ah, not cynical. Hmm. <laughs> so um, I need to stay on brand. Yeah, uh, come on. Cynical but optimistic. Uh, but of course there was one more trailer this week, um, and this relates to our discussion today, is because we've had the trailer for No Time to Die. What did you think? Can that title just describe your life? <laughs> um, I thought it was good. Um, as much as the continuity-driven stuff in the Daniel Craig Bond movies hasn't always gelled with me, mm. I like the fact that in his last performance, we've basically gone from Bond as a new agent mm-hmm. through to retired Bond. Mm. And I kind of like that arc that kind of follow through I would a little bit more if he hadn't um, kind of done the retired Bond thing for the previous two movies I know, they. it's because every movie is going to be his last one <laughs> it's, it's, it actually kind of mirrors Daniel Craig's attitude towards this character, every time they're <laughs> like where's Bond? and it's just Daniel Craig kind of looking semi-relaxed in a bar in Jamaica or something and then they're like, come on, we're dragging you back into the action. <laughs> yeah, they basically the script is just based off the producers hunting him down. <laughs> I'll say that he never he definitely seems to have more fun playing roles that aren't James Bond. Yeah, um, as in he has fun playing roles that aren't James Bond. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get on to that in the discussion. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk any more about the trailer right now? Uh, no, I think we're going to speculate wildly, aren't we? So let's mm. let's leave the rest of the speculation because we'll go through what the four films that he's done to date, mm. and then this will be his fifth and fight. Well, final asterisk. The 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 DC EU, the Daniel Craig expanded <laughs> universe. <laughs> so there were two kind of interesting. Well, there are two kind of a. Uh, out there stories this week. They're not very long, but they're quite interesting to read up on. 
so first off, uh, Kotaku have reported this week that a Catholic priest announced that he was setting up a Minecraft server inside the Vatican to create a less toxic space for people to use the server and have fun. So, Interesting. Robert uh, Bayeser, the priest in question, goes by the names of Digital G Suit, and by or by his Twitter handle Padre SJ. Huh. He has a reputation for being very techy. He does technology reviews, and he has a Twitter feed full of tweets that are actually reasonably pure-hearted and innocent. There is a video of him on his way to like mass, and he sees the Pope and looks like really shocked. <laughs> And another one where he's reviewing a helmet and the video preview for the review is just him scooting around a corner and falling off the scooter. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, the reception of the server has not been good. The server has been subject to a lot of trolling and uh, DDoS, or Distributed Denial of Service Attacks. Aww. And there's also been a number to mistrust a server set up by a Catholic priest for use by kids due to the historically bad reputation the Catholic Church has, uh, to put it lightly. Mm. So that one, it's, uh, there's no... Uh, usually with these stories, I'm like, and then this happened, but these are mainly the two kind of big things. He sets up the server, and now he's trying to get the server, like, stable, and he's kicking people out, and he's just trying to establish it. The bit mm. that I find most entertaining is that there is a server in the Vatican... <laughs> with Minecraft on it. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's not really sure what to take away from this. I think it's more likely just a rather innocent, rather, you know, display to try and make the internet a bit less toxic. Hmm. Uh, but of course, if it is to do with old stereotypes, then that is not so good. Hmm. But, hey, it was an interesting Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Padre SJ if you want to follow it yourself <laughs> next up a Playstation ad has been pulled in Japan after it was noted that it looked very similar to a lot of other animations including some shots from the popular TV show Steven Universe if you've heard of it nope uh, so a lot of animators well one person kind of noticed a few similarities and then put the footage side by side Yeah, and this is like PlayStation, this was basically a... It was PlayStation Japan, like, the games you can play on PlayStation, but between the gameplay clips, there's these little animated segments. Yeah. And people have started putting them side to side uh, with the actual original animations, and it mm. looks like a lot of stuff was plagiarised. Right, okay. Well, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but then I'll bring back around to my point. There was a composer called Yamamoto, who was a long-time Dragon Ball composer... And then it suddenly turned out that his songs all sounded very familiar to either popular or metal. Right. And it turned out he'd been intentionally, or maybe not, copying pop songs for literally years and years. <laughs> and there's a lot of re-releases of old Dragon Ball games. And actually, I think the first bit of Dragon Ball Z Kai had to have its soundtrack redone. Really? Because it was all copyright. <laughs> it was all plagiarised music, essentially. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, but the thing with music, and um, the thing, I guess, uh, with writing and uh, comedy and stuff like that, is you can, I, there is a belief I, that you can do it unintentionally if you just forget that you've already heard it. Because those kind of forms of media are much more mm. subconscious, mm. maybe. You know, and also, like, repeating a joke... You may yeah. not remember where it comes from. Yeah, exactly. But, like, the side-by-side -side animations, to get back to this ad, look almost traced. You know, you put paper over the top and just copy it. Right, yeah. So, um, there's a lot less room for the benefit of the doubt. Right, yeah. Uh, the director of the animation, Kevin Bow, has since been fired by the studio Elin Animation, who made the animation. Oh, crikey. <laughs> They've released a statement apologising... For any plagiarism and for the for what happened, hmm. uh, the company's website had a page on Bow, but that's already been taken down. I tried to find it myself. Right. Yeah. So they obviously haven't given him the benefit of the doubt either. <laughs> no. And <laughs> and also, it was not just one or two sources. There was a few. Hmm. So it's it becomes more and more unlikely that it's 
an it's accident, quite... especially within the bounds of one animation. Exactly. It's quite bizarre as well to think that people have a chance of getting away with that in, in this day and age when just like, it's not like in the olden days where you could you could just plagiarise anything because it plays on TV once and that's it kind of thing, right? This is a age where you can just look it up on YouTube and download it and then, as you say, trace it against the original and see what, exactly what it's copied. Yeah. Well, it's like those um, Twitter accounts that just basically will take a pop... will just basically just steal popular viral tweets and that's just mm. all the, twi- the Twitter page is. Mm. And all you need to do is just copy and paste that tweet into the search and you'll find the original tweet mm-hmm. it's obviously there's nothing no real repercussions for them because they're just running like in you know interesting man takes twitter mm. or memes question mark twitter. you know it's like not as <laughs> not as high profile as animation but yeah, yeah. it's uh, been taken down and uh yeah that's not 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 good don't steal kids don't steal kids that's the moral of that story. <laughs> so moving on to headlines. So Super Mario Ma- Super Mario Maker Two uh, got its biggest patch yet this week, which brought a lot of new content to it, including new enemies and also the ability to play as Link from the Legend of Zelda. Hmm. So the game added in a Master Sword item that if you pick it up as Mario, you turn into Link, uh, and Link can go along. He can use a sword. He can use bombs. He can use his bow and arrow. Oh. And it changes the music, and people are already making some pretty cool levels with it. Mm. So that's quite good because there was a lot of questions as to whether because I don't think Super Mario Maker One it got some free updates, but it didn't have any DLC. People were wondering whether Super Mario Maker Two would get paid DLC, and it still might. Mm. But this is quite a big content patch, and it's brought quite a lot of new stuff. So I think based on that, actually, any paid DLC would have to be even more impressive than adding what, a whole new. Char- whole new character, whole new costume in for free. So mm. I reckon what we'll, there won't be any paid DLC. It will just be uh, free updates, and that's pretty cool. Keeps people coming back. I do did enjoy Super Mario Maker too. Mm. Uh, so now we've got a, 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 there was a slew, or at least uh, at least three stories on Battlefront Two this week. Oh. So first off is that the Star Wars Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition was leaked online. I did hear about this, yeah. And I think that's got some extra content in it. And obviously they're ramping up now for the release of the final Star Wars film. Hmm. Uh, did you hear that BB-8 is joining as a playable character? I did. What a what an incredible addition. It seems like the developers are just having a bit of a laugh with this now. And I, I really respect that. Yeah, no, it's... There's a bit of pressure that takes gets taken off hmm. when you're not when you're like not in the spotlight when they've already made that massive mistake as they did it probably takes a lot of pressure off them they're probably feeling a lot more free now hmm. like we can just do whatever have fun with it a bit yeah. like um, No Man's Sky that's had a lot of good content updates since it's not the way to do it because <laughs> first impressions do still count for something and if you ask me about No Man's Sky, it's still the game that promised the world and didn't deliver. And if you ask me about Star Wars Battlefronts 2, it's still the game that released with predatory loot boxes and a broken levelling mechanic. But, for those who have bought in and continued and stuck with it... Like me. Like you. <laughs> it's built... It's rebuilding that, that player trust and building a community and managing that community. And it means that when Battlefront 3 comes out, it's got a chance to actually do better it's got a chance to make that first impression again absolutely I mean granted it gets to Battlefront 3 the series has a habit of being stuck at (laughs) 2 and finally did you see that there's already a Mandalorian mod for Star Wars Battlefront 2 no I haven't seen this so they obviously they took um, what uh, Boba Fett as the base Hmm. but they obviously recolored him they changed his armour a bit to match the show but yeah on PC you can uh get a mod to make him into the Mandalorian yeah I'm surprised there was no official uh, tie in with that actually yeah seems to be quite surprising that considering how easy a modder did it you mm. could have just been like here's the Mandalorian because it would have taken what it'd basically be in a, uh, a clone <laughs> of Bobo just some different abilities mm. 
So anyway, yes, yeah, back front two, trying to get your trust back, trying to still get you in, get you playing. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this celebration edition. It's. Um, I think it's basically just um, all the sort of uh, appearances you can buy. And that's, uh, okay. That's about it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just uh, looking now. It's the celebration edition will include the complete collection of customization content acquirable through in-game purchase from launch up to and including items inspired by Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. That was a lot of words. It's that's not even the full press release. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's mostly just visuals. And I suppose for some people that would just suit them, won't it? Hmm. I mean so I'm gonna get on my soapbox here. Back in my day, all of these <laughs> things were in the game from the start to begin with. <laughs> they didn't have to release these newfangled celebration editions. <laughs> Every edition was a celebration edition. <laughs> Old Phil yells at Cloud. <laughs> anyway. Uh, CD Projekt Red were interviewed this week by gamesindustry.biz because they are creating at the moment Cyberpunk uh, 2077. So that mm-hmm. was the one at E3 which had Keanu Reeves in the top trailer. Mm-hmm. And they were asked because now Half-Life Alex has been announced and the two are releasing at the same time. So the question was put to CD Projekt Red whether they are nervous at all as to whether releasing at the same time as a Half-Life game will affect sales. Uh, and they said no. Okay. <laughs> the Half-Life game is VR and they see it as being for different audiences, which is fair enough. Hmm. I mean, when you're asking that kind of question in an interview, possibly you're looking for a juicier answer than that. Yeah, just no. <laughs> yeah, they're like, nah, not really. VR is, and they're quite right, VR's got a smaller audience and it's a different audience to those who buy the full-blown console games. Absolutely, yeah. That's March, I think that's happening, so that's going to be two two very different, very good experiences. Well, supposedly, unless mm. they both end up to be bad. <laughs> uh, two decent experiences probably in March. Uh, so for this next one, have you ever heard of Shenmue? No. So uh, Shenmue was a game on the Sega Dreamcast that was kind of like this big auteur project. It was very ahead of its time, I'm going to put in quote marks. Mm-hmm. Like it had in-game like clock systems and certain shops were only open at certain times. So you had to like, you could literally be playing the game and the place you needed to go was shut. Right. It's very impressive. Not sure if it translated to being fun, but it's impressive. <laughs> But anyway, it was one of those things where I got a first game that actually performed not very well. It became a bit of a cult game. Hmm. But at the time when Shenmue 1 released, Shenmue 2 had already been greenlit. So Shenmue 2 came out on the Dreamcast, and obviously the Dreamcast uh, died. That was Sega's last console in the console market before they went third party. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of nothing for a while. And then Shenmue 3 uh, got funded through Kickstarter and it got given a lot of money and it's just released this past week and it arguably uh, has flopped in Japan which oh. was supposedly going to be the main market for it yeah. so in its first week it shipped only 17,000 copies not great is it? so there's a lot of people saying it's because the people who wanted it backed the Kickstarter and those numbers would not be included which is fair but you'd think that it was do better than that. Hmm. I think it's it came in to like I can't remember what. Let me just look see if I can see which place it came in the uh, in the Japanese charts. But they were expecting a lot more. Um, but it didn't. It didn't even like come close to what what Sword and Shield is still doing for the Pokemon games. Yeah. I'm not sure it placed in the top ten. Huh. Uh, it placed number seventeen in the UK. Hmm. Which is not good. No. Um, so for a quite a well, quite a long-awaited game, especially one which had a HD re-release of its first two games last year, <clears throat> it's looking to be another Kickstarter disappointment. But unlike the other ones, I think the people who are hardcore fans of Shenmue mm. One and Two are enjoying it well mm. enough. It's not going to be like Mighty Number no. Nine, which was just terrible, <laughs> or other disappointing Kickstarter games. So yeah, yeah that's just a, a story of a cult game that's just kind of. You know, it's almost like a, I guess, the Arrested Development season four. 
it was not as good as the original three, but it had a big cult following, therefore Netflix paid for another season. <laughs> Just like that. Penultimately, because there was a story that came up literally as we were preparing to record, and therefore I'm going to end on it. Last minute story. No, it was from a few days ago, but I saw it like and didn't have time to add it to my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Stewart is narrating a Christmas expansion of Plants vs. Zombies' newest iteration, which is called Battle for Neighborville. You may have got the ads for it on YouTube, like I did. (laughs) Okay. Um, But Patrick Stewart narrating stuff is always good. So that was going to be my story to end. Until this! And let me just read the headline, which is from Nintendo Life, although it's been reported in many sources. Mm-hmm. People order Switch consoles from Amazon, get hilariously random items instead, including washing powder and a pack <laughs> of condoms. Instead? Okay. Yes. So this was wow. in the Black Friday sales on Amazon UK. Uh, people who ordered Nintendo Switches as part of Black Friday just received random stuff instead. <laughs> this has ranged from condoms, washing powder, Lego, facial hair trimmer... Um, <laughs> A shaver, a tambourine, a microphone, <laughs> a ream of paper, Duracell batteries, <laughs> and dog food. Amazing. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Amazon has issued the following statement. Uh, we're really sorry about that, and are investigating exactly what happened. We're reaching out to every customer who's had a problem, and made us aware so we can put it right. Anyone who has had an issue with any order can contact our customer services team for help. <laughs> That's brilliant. I really hope they let them keep what they've got already. <laughs> I mean, in some cases, like, you know, Duracell batteries, fine. Yeah. Yeah, you might want to hold on to the condoms. Not sure if you've not got a dog, whether you'd want to keep the dog food. <laughs> so, as we alluded to in the film and TV news, there was a new trailer for a Bond film this week called No Time to Die. This is the 25th film in the James Bond series, which date back all the way to the 60s, or maybe earlier. Mm. I've got the Wikipedia page open, but I've already scrolled down too far. Anyway, (laughs) after uh, Skyfall was probably going to be his last one, and then Spectre was probably going to be his last one, uh, No Time to Die is reportedly Daniel Craig's last James Bond appearance. Yeah. And we thought it'd be only fitting, considering there is some continuity and some follow-ons and kind of a weaving story from this. Throughout the whole franchise, from the 1960s, they planned it the whole time. And they say Kevin Feige was a genius. <laughs> We're going to be going from Casino Royale in 2006, not the original, let's be clear. Yeah, I mean um, the original, yep. Yeah. They're all connected. We're doing all of them. <laughs> I hope you're ready for this 15-hour episode of the Cinecomist. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to look at the Daniel Craig films, we're going to say which ones we liked more, which ones we liked less, and just kind of talk about what we think might happen in No Time to Die. Um, so, how do you want to play this, Nick? Do you want to go through the old films first, and then we'll speculate on No Time to Die at the end? Yeah, start with Casino Royale, the best one. So, yes, it is the best. It's got the best song as well. Yeah. I still, lis- dun, I still dun, listen dun, to... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, yeah. no, you're doing Quantum of Solace. No, I wasn't. I was doing Casino Royale. Quantum of Solace was... Uh, how did that go? No, yeah, I, I was doing Quantum of Solace. How does... No, how does Casino Royale Wait, go? Wait, no, they both have a bit like that, don't yeah. they? <laughs> so, uh, well, just to clear, clarify, uh, it's You Know My Name yeah. is the one from by Chris Cornell. Who tragically died do, do, last year, do, I think. Do, do. And then Quantum of Solace was another way to die. Yeah. Both of them have bits that go... Dunna, 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 dunna. <laughs> but yeah. the songs actually are quite different. Yes. I actually like the Quantum theme. That's uh, Jack White and Alicia Keys. It was a bit of a random combo, but I actually quite liked it, despite what everyone says. It was alright. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Like, I've not really disliked any of the recent Bond songs. I can't really remember the one from Spectre. Spectre... Oh no, how did it go? It went... Because the writing's on the wall... Like that, didn't it? I don't know. Me and my friend just had the Skyfall song stuck in our heads, so we just kept on going, It's called Spectre. (laughs) It's called... (laughs) 
which we um, annoyed the rest of our friendship group with for several days after we'd seen the film, to the point where I don't remember what the Spectre song was. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith, but Radiohead did a... Uh, were going to do it originally, I believe, and they did a song called Spectre, which I think is actually quite a bit better, but they didn't use it, so that's fine. Hmm. Hmm. So anyway, but Casino yes. Royale... Yes. It's about he's he's uh, reasonably new to the job, James Bond, and it made quite a big deviation at the time hmm. because one, uh, Daniel Craig was not, I guess, what you'd call at the time the stereotypical look of Bond, which James was kind of like what blonde. That was the headline back in two thousand four or five. Yeah, and also the fact that it had like realistic like blood and body damage whereas I think most Bond films today he's just kind of wandered away, wandered away unscathed from quite serious things. The absolute rubber band that was Roger Moore <laughs> 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 Yes um, definitely a lot grittier, some of the action they took sort of uh, straight from the Bourne movies a lot, uh, mm. sort of handheld close quick cuts and stuff like that um, it was good and they did quite a lot of physical effects as well, because the the main set piece I remember from that was in flipping the car over. Hmm. Oh, yes, that, yeah, the... Uh, yeah, that Which was, they uh, did actually do, didn't they? And they broke a lot of records with that as well. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, the um, special effects coordinator who worked on that, whose name escapes me, has done... I think he's done all of them, plus... Some right, of it says Chris Corbold here. Chris Corbold. I think he did, like, The Dark Knight and everything as well, so he's really got a... A good sense of scale and mm. and spectacle, um, which which really did make this film look excellent. Like the parkour scene at the beginning, and the airport night like, chase as well. Just all of the action stunt sequences, I thought, were spectacular in this film. And it kicked off something that kicked off something for these films. I think we've alluded to it already. Mm. Is that it kicked off the storyline? It did because it? <laughs> the, the the events of this film do come up in future films, mm. or at least they come up a bit in Quantum of Solace. I'm not sure that was the intention necessarily. Why? Well, the thing is with um, there's oh so spoilers for all the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, but I can't imagine why you're listening to this if you don't have any interest <laughs> or haven't seen them. Um, obviously the the Casino Royale he goes and he tries to do his like peaceful life with his lady friend and then Vespa. she dies and then he goes and on his revenge and that's how where Quantum of Solace picks up mm. I think um, I think Quantum of Solace got a bit of a um, bit of bad stick because it was during the the writer's strike I believe and so apparently Daniel Craig was like improving on on the day kind of thing for a lot of the dialogue in that movie but I think if you watch them back to back it actually it does improve Quantum slightly well see I've only seen Quantum of Solace once mm -hmm. and that was last Thursday mm. because I hadn't seen it mm. and you told me to see it <laughs> uh, and it just wasn't really that interesting no it didn't have like there's quite a few locations in Casino Royale like doesn't it start on a building site Whereas there's a car chase that goes through, yeah, a building site in Italy. And I think that quite... car chase is excellent, by the way. Yeah, but then the Quantum of Solace enters with it, starts with a car chase, it's just nowhere near as interesting. And the whole thing is just not not really as engaging, and the villain's thing is stealing water. Uh, oil? <laughs> no, water. Oh. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. There's a little bit of stuff to do with oil. Um, and whilst there's some interesting stuff through it and the characters he meets and his main thing is that M is concerned that because of the events of Casino Royale he's out for like revenge yeah I, I mean, think I'm some of those bits are quite interesting I quite like seeing Bond in a kind of revengeful state where he's like even more violent than usual and his emotions are yeah, affecting and I'm not sure what the film really tries to conclude with that either because he doesn't just outright kill the villain at the end, and that's meant to be like, oh, Bond spared him, but he dumps him in the middle of the desert with a can of motor oil to drink. Yeah, but that, no, yeah, yeah, but that's that's the, the 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 villain villain. Whereas he goes back to, he he meets up with Vesper's husband, who I think betrayed her. I can't really remember, but either way, he doesn't kill him at the end, which is which is his yes, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, th I I think it's if you watch them back to back, I think it does 
improve Quantum slightly. Um, and I do think that the car chase at the beginning of Quantum of Solace is is pretty excellent. You've got the you got the Aston, you got some Alfa Romeos, you got some Land Rover Defenders, um, with all sorts of practical stunts and whatnot. I think that's that's mm. a pretty good that's a pretty good opening. Although now you now you mention it, I'm not surprised it's just before the writers strike because like the first thirty minutes of that film is a very short scene with some dialogue yeah. and set piece that goes on for just a little bit too long. Yeah. And it does definitely seems like the film is just killing time. Yeah. <laughs> I should call that the next Bond film. Killing time. <laughs> killing time. <laughs> Starring Daniel Craig, but this one's his last one. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, following Quantum of Solace, there was a four-year gap, and then we got the release of Skyfall. It's a good film, but Skyfall has the biggest example, and I'm not you. You may disagree with me, but you've already alluded it to a bit by saying how uh, Casino Royale takes some stuff from the Bourne movies. Mm. Skyfall, I think, is the <laughs> biggest con- thing that made me almost notice and then not be able to ignore the fact that the Bond movies recently have just been following a lot of what's popular. Yes, exactly. They've oh, not been leading. I don't think that's necessarily a recent thing. I think that that goes back to, you know, Moonraker was a direct result of Star Wars. Um, right. Casino, like, uh, Casino Royale was obviously sort of a direct response to Bourne. I don't know what Quantum was, but yeah, and then Skyfall was... Uh, Pretty much the Dark Knight, wasn't it? Well, Quantum of Solace was just a film released in 2008, and that meant it had to be very dark and very grey and very dreary <laughs> in its colour scheme. Yeah. And then Skyfall, you had the villain, but it was his plot, it was his plan to get caught mm. and be put in a glass prison, mm. then to escape. Yeah. And then at one point, a train comes off the lines at the exact right moment to let him escape. <laughs> yeah. And it was all very clever and all very planned out. Don't think about it <laughs> too much. Don't think about it at all. <laughs> um, it does have some good bits in it though, because yeah. it has the obviously the the final uh, the final the, the final act takes place in what the Scottish Highlands or mm. where it, that's where it's supposed to take place. I think it's actually filmed in Dorset or somewhere in the south. <laughs> mm. But it's a very good like they're holed up in a house and they have to take care of a large group of like. Enemy villains mm. by using that's all very good. by using the Home Alone tactics. Yeah, um, yeah. No, um, James Bond uses his spy training to set up a paint can, <laughs> some string, <laughs> and donks one of them in the head with it. Um, yes, the when you actually break down the plot, it doesn't make a, a huge heap of sense. I he's as far as I can tell. I haven't seen this film in a while, but I'm pretty sure he. Uh, Javier Bardem, I can't remember his character's name. Silva, Silva, something like that. Silva dentures, cyanide teeth. Um, his full name. <laughs> he set up M so that she had a court hearing in a specific part of London at a specific moment, and that's just when he happened to get found out by Bond and taken back to London, which was just one tube ride away. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Very, very confusing. It's it's four dimensional chess, it's five dimensional chess. It's too too high, too high a brain thinking for me. Mm. I wouldn't be able to plan that far ahead. I can't plan my own life that far. Also, they blow up M's office at the beginning of that film, don't they? Yes. Why don't they just blow up M's office while M was in there? (laughs) Like, (laughs) does she have like a bomb detector built in? Would the That's office point, would the office really. not have blown up if she was in there? I very complicated. But then that's the kind of thing about Bond villains, though, isn't it? Like Quantum of Solace, what he's doing. The he's um, he's got the guy tied to the chair at the beginning. He's trying to find out about the quantum group, whatever the secret group's called. Mm. And he's like, "We've got people everywhere, <laughs> even here." And the guy waits until he gets his cue of even here to get out his gun and shoot not M or Bond, but the other guy. <laughs> yeah. And then Not even not even Rory Kenya or or any of the sort of like B list characters in that movie. He just shoots some random grunt. <laughs> and then runs away. Yeah. By the time they get back, Mr. White's gone again. A lot of people really liked Skyfall. Um 
Uh, this was uh, Sam Mendes and uh, Roger, the great Roger Deakins. Sam Mendes is a good director. Yeah, and, and Roger Deakins is is probably one of the best director of photography that has ever walked walked the world. But and mm. admittedly, they it looked fantastic. Both Spectre and Skyfall, I think, looked pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure. Like the sort of uh, the action takes a bit of a a dip, I think, compared to sort of the the fast pacing of the previous two. Um, and also the soundtrack. I believe David Arnold, who did Sherlock, did the did Casino Royale's score, which I thought was pretty spectacular. Um, and since mm. then, I feel like the score hasn't been anywhere near as thoughtful. I can't remember who did um, Skyfall. I think it was someone quite quite generic. But um, I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love Skyfall or or Spectre necessarily. But let's yeah, let's talk a bit about Spectre. Um, Mr. White is back. So, <laughs> he's Mr. White is back. Yeah. Um, and this was the one. This was when I went to go see this film. This was the first time I actually realised that the films were meant to be linked. Because I think possibly because I hadn't seen Conant of Solace, which is actually quite clearly a direct sequel to Casino Royale. Mm. I think Skyfall's pretty separate. But then in this film, it turns out all of them have been connected to Spectre, which is the group, isn't it? Yeah. Led and by, actually, uh, it was all um, Blofeld. Blofeld, who was out to get James Bond specifically. Yeah. And all of this had been basically designed over the past few years specifically to get James Bond. Yes. Uh, which is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's bizarre that they've. I mean, obviously, again, you, like we were saying about Bond trying to follow trends in that. This Inspector was the film that tried to do a cinematic universe and weave in some sort of overarching plot, despite the fact that Casino Royale was obviously intended as a standalone adventure. But it turns out Bond's thought dead brother was actually. It was like he was Bond was adopted, or the other guy was adopted, and the other one hated him. Yeah. And therefore has and he been. Was the, he was the author of all his pain and whatever he says in that movie. Yeah, he's been manipulating Bond's life for years and years, which to be honest mm. would be impressive if he wasn't a secret agent. <laughs> but that, since he is a secret agent, that seems very impressive, more so <laughs> even. Yeah. I remember there's a bit where a helicopter crashes. To be honest, it's been. A, I haven't seen Spectre since I saw it in the cinema. Hmm. Oh, the Day of the Dead bit's good, isn't it? Yeah, that bit's good. Yeah. That's right at the beginning, isn't it? Yes, and it's a sort of yeah. one-take scene which swaps from cranes to handheld to on the back of vehicles and, and all sorts. I think that's kind of... Because Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins are reuniting for the new movie 1917. I don't know if you've seen any trailers, but that's going to be all... I have. That's going to be all one-take for the entire film. So I, I think... Well, it's going to be edited to look like one continuous shot. Yes, okay, yeah. It's not technically one take, but it's it's done in that style. Um, and I think Spectre was probably the the practice for that. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of still a lot of um, very good like visuals and stuff in Spectre. Hmm. But it's just the the since they've run out of Ian Fleming books, the James Bond films have just kind of been shrugging and been like, I don't know what this is about. Hmm. Uh, there's a villain and he's trying to get Bond <laughs> yeah and then we'll just work backwards from there yeah so there's kind of been romantic interests in all of these and obviously in the effort of, of Bond to be a more sort of a modern um, franchise obviously like they don't they're not just sort of one and done female characters they try and continue um, their characters into the next films um, but then but then does that create the issue of you can't just make like a standalone Bond film for the next one because obviously then he's got people he needs to keep safe etc for for those movies. It's a very difficult one because Casino Royale did mm. but then Quantum of Solace there's uh, a character who turns up to try and take Bond back to the UK mm. he just says no and she's like well okay I tried and then Literally, he they enter the hotel room, and he doesn't even need to say anything. He's just like, "Hi," and then it just cuts to the like afterwards. No, he says, like, "I'm looking for the stationery cupboard," and then it cuts to them. 
having had sex yeah. already. Yeah. Like it's almost as if the film's like, you know what happens at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh obviously there was another like a female lead in that that he had more of like a connection with. Mm. Not not but romantic connection to be fair. It was more they were both going through similar emotional journeys, yeah. I think. And she was good, actually. I really like. I, I can't. I, the is it ogre, someone or other. I can't remember the actress' his name, but yeah, she was. She was really good in that movie. It's. It yeah. It depends how you want to look at things, really, because there's nothing inherently wrong with somebody who has a lot of one night stands, male or female. Mm. It's just obviously making sure it's not done in an objectifying way. Mm. Um. I think the the that did that that bit in Quantum of Solace. I was like, oh okay then. <laughs> I guess, I guess every Bond film just needs to have a scene where Bond has a se- has sex mm. with a, with a lady, and that was just like, well, we need to get it in somewhere. <laughs> oh, don't phrase it like that, please, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you see what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't need to be. Bond is looking for a relationship. He's he, he, it can just be that actually he's a very uh, very deeply broken person. You have to be of a certain personality type to be a secret agent anyway. Mm. He could have some like attachment issues, something like that. But then it is a very difficult one to get right mm. because obviously you don't want to just be oh Bond 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 is sexy man. He go he get lady. That's that's what Bond do. Yeah. It. To be honest, I'd be interested to see it flipped on its head, and like a woman who's just like, "No, this was just a one night stand," and Bond's a bit like, "Oh, tasting my own medicine there." <laughs> yeah, to be you fair. know, there's ways to make it pro- there's ways to make it progressive without it needing to be like Bond building this circle of ever of people that he needs to protect and care about. There is just there is a progressive way to do sex in films, mm. or uh, as they've done with Spectre in having him be in a serious relationship with um Mr. White's daughter, I think. Did I just imagine and she's, that? No, she's back for the new film as well. Yes, but she's got a secret or something, isn't she? And she's probably gonna die within the first ten minutes. Well, yeah, sadly she's been around for more than one film, which means she needs to die in the next one to give <laughs> one motivation to go back. Yeah. Yeah, to take no take him out of retirement thing. again. <laughs> It's not something just the Bond films are guilty of, though, is it? No, no, that's sure That's how uh, the second Bond film opens as well. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. This this film could be really interesting because we've got uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge on as a writer for this one, um, and she's good at writing very complicated female characters. So, hmm. uh, and we've got a a new Double O who's probably going to be the new Double O Seven. Yeah, because well, the whole story is that Bond is retired, so I guess they don't. They guess they just reuse the double O numbers because yeah. otherwise they'd run out. Yeah, and that's going to upset a lot, <laughs> a lot of gammons in the world, which I which I find quite amusing. In that the new 007 is going to be a black female. Um, uh, Rami Malek is on as villain, which I'm excited for. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, um, with a new weird deformity of some kind because you can't have a Bond villain that just <laughs> doesn't have a weird no. deformity actually to be fair the uh, the sort of uh, the French guy from Quantum of Solace didn't have a weird deformity did he no he was just kind of strange yeah <laughs> um, uh, do we think that uh, James Bond will die in this film no because he was going to when Danny Boyle was behind this film and the studio were like yeah no we're not going to do that Okay, interesting. Hmm. Which I thought would have been—I thought it would have been a very interesting way, but I don't know. I, they seem this studio seems determined to bring Daniel Craig back at any cost. So, um, hmm. I don't know. I think I think there's there's a somewhat likely chance that the new 007 might, because you know how this is marketed as No Time to Die 007. Yeah, I think there's like actually a a, a substantial chance that the new 007 could be the lead in the next movie and then they've still got Daniel Craig there if they need him yeah uh, it's kind of like a backdoor pilot mm. in a <laughs> Force Awakens-esque style <laughs> if we're going to do that if we're going to continue the theme of genre copying yeah and then you can kill Daniel Craig in a later movie when his son comes back and stabs him through the chest 
as yeah future Bond villain. Yeah. But yeah, like the it's been a mostly good, but the Bond films in general have been a bit of a mixed bag. Mm. And I feel I I actually feel like trying to make it one long continuity has probably hampered. Um, the franchise. I mean, I say that the last two movies have made nearly two billion move uh, compared to Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which didn't make huge amounts of money. So, I, I, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, it's there's plenty of good spy and thriller writers out there that you could just do a lot of self-contained stories. Hmm. I hope they don't after after Daniel Craig does finally say no, I'm definitely done. Hmm. I hope they just don't start readapting the early films. Like obviously, Gun Casino Royale made sense because mm. the original Casino Royale was what in the fifties or sixties. Is it was the first one they ever did. Well, it wasn't the it wasn't part of this studio as well either, was it? No, that's true as well. Mm. But you know, they could very easily be like, "Oh, we're just gonna bring Goldfinger into the one day," because <laughs> you know, if they're copying popular trends. Mm. I'm just saying, there's a big thing called uh, Disney live-action remakes to be, be aware of. <laughs> yes, no, I know exactly what you mean. But, no, what, well, yeah, No Time to Die, there will be some inciting incident. I hope it's not female love interest dies, but there's a good chance it will be. Mm. And then Bond is forced out of retirement, and... I hope he goes back into retirement at the end. <laughs> Not in like a bad way, but I think Daniel Craig is such a good actor. And actually, after seeing him last time, last what was it? Last week we did Knives Out, or two weeks ago? Mm. Either way, he just seemed like he was having so much more fun in that. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Um, and I'd quite like to see. I, I'd actually quite like to see something a little bit more fresh for the next iteration of this franchise and I, I I wouldn't be against this being a, a launch pad for a new a new 007 um, but yeah there we go so I think that will just about do us for another episode of the Cynical Optimist podcast if uh, you want to get notified when we release new episodes you can follow us on twitter at synot podcast you can also follow us on soundcloud subscribe on apple podcasts or i think it is also called following on spotify uh if you've got well tweet at us what do you think is going to happen in no time to die are you do you want it to be daniel craig's last appearance are you going to be sad to see him go what is your favorite of the five Hmm. we forgot to rank the five (laughs) anyway we'll do that after i've done this bit also you can follow me at Haddowink. You can also go on to youtube.com slash Haddowink where the discussions from episodes are released a few days after the audio episodes go live. We also do Synopt Clips, which are just short sound bites of bits that we enjoyed from the episodes. And also coming soon is a show called Not My Star Wars, where we look at the recently made non-canon Legends mm. bit of Star Wars and see if any of it deserves to come back into canon. That's kind of the stuff we've got going on on youtube.com slash Haddowank. Mm-hmm. I'm also on youtube.com slash abridgedbk, where we... No, it's youtube.com slash abridgedbignickers. It's twitter.com slash abridgedbk, where I make abridged videos, and there's another podcast I do called Big Nostalgia, where I talk about old video games. Nick, have I missed anything? I don't think you've missed anything, except you can find me on Twitter also at Nick Nortimer, and if you want to get updates from Not My Star Wars, it's at NM Star Wars. Wanted to release it before Rise of Skywalker. Probably not going to happen. There's a lot more footage than I thought I would need. Either way, it'll be releasing around the time of. In theory. Or it'll be releasing next year. Either way, the pilot is coming soon and we're excited for you to see it. (laughs) Now, just before we close out, Nick, what is your ranking of the five James Bond films? Casino Royale's the best one. Um, I'm going to put... Quantum of Solace at number two, Skyfall at number three, Spectre at number four. You said five earlier. There's only been four. Oh, sorry. Yeah, No Time <laughs> to Die was the fifth, yeah. but that's not been released yet. No. Although, based on your trend lines, uh, it's not looking good for it. Because <laughs> you're saying every film is getting progressively worse. <laughs> for me, um, I really thought Quantum of Solace was a bit boring. Mm-hmm. So it's Casino Royale is the best, probably Skyfall, and then Spectre and Quantum of Solace are probably around the same. Mm. 
and we'll have to see about No Time to Die. And we'll see you next week for another new episode of the Cynical Optimists. Did you like that tie-in, Nick? The, the what tie-in? Oh, not tie-in, lead-in to the end of the episode. My god, this is... <laughs> it's either going to be very vigorously edited, or it's going to be a bit of a mess of an outro. Either way, we'll see you next week, where we'll be talking about the Jumanji sequel, which I'm actually quite looking forward to. Me too. I've been Phil. And I've been Nick. See you then. Bye! And this is the podcast where we sneak into high security databases. Databated? <laughs> I fucked it. Five seconds in and I'd screwed it. It's fine, the intro's good. Let's just. <laughs>